welcome to another episode of Stuck in My Mind podcast. I'm your host, W-I-Z-E, and my next guest is a distinguished U.S. Army veteran, accomplished life coach, and transformative trainer. Welcome to the show, Derek Johnson. Hey, hey. How's it going, Will? Pleasure to be here, Wise. Thanks. Thanks for stopping by, man. How how you doing today? Doing great. Doing great. Been an awesome month. That's good. That's good. All right. So let's just just jump into this. All All right. right. So... Like I mentioned, you you in the um in the U.S. Army. How did your experience in the U.S. Army shape your approach to coaching and mentorship? Great question. So, what I took from the U.S. Army was the discipline aspect and the camaraderie. And I'll start with the camaraderie. So, some people they didn't play sports as a child or as a teenager, so they never really had that group setting, whether it was males and males, females and females, or best of both. But the camaraderie aspect is definitely something that I brought into it because if they didn't play sports or were never part of like a group or sales team professionally or personally, then they don't really have that experience of having that camaraderie of people that truly just want them to level up and win together rather than just like a one man team or every man for themselves. So definitely the camaraderie, bringing that aspect to it. And then number two is the discipline. And more so with the daily routine, starting with the morning. As you know, sports, military, we all get up early. So I never force people or tell people what time to wake up. But I do make the suggestion to get up a little bit earlier. So they at least have 30 minutes minimum to themselves, whether that's going for a walk, whether that's just meditating, yoga, hitting the gym. If they can get 30 minutes minimum, if they can get more awesome, but 30 minutes minimum to themselves. So definitely the discipline aspect of the morning routine and then bringing in the camaraderie. So that way they, they don't feel like they have to hold everything in. They have a good solid team that they can count on and vice versa. All right. So can, can you share like a pivotal moment for you in the military in your military career that significantly influenced your, your coaching philosophy? Yes, hundred percent. So dealing with the different personalities and cultures. So seeing People bumping heads in field training. You're sleep deprived. You're hungry. You're dehydrated. You're in the heat. You haven't showered in a few days. You've got you've used baby wipes. Like we can all paint the picture, but you're out there and everybody's just annoyed. No matter what their rank is, at the end of the day, everybody's human in that moment and is annoyed. But we have a mission to do and objective to get completed. So in those moments, a lot of soldiers would argue. They'd be on edge, and there's a lot of hostile energy and hostility. So as the leader, being able to sense, does he or she need to vent? Maybe they're going through something personal and everything that's happening here right now to all of us is maybe not the icing on the cake. It's something at home or it's, hey, this person took their last pack of macaroni, whatever it was, and they just like flipped out. But being able to identify each individual person, how they react in different situations. So an example could be some people they love the drill sergeant mentality and that's what they need the very straight straightforward very direct others they just need to be pulled to the side and just ask him or her hey what is the main thing that is bothering you i can tell that there's a lot on your mind but the key moments would be in the heated moments where everybody was annoyed with each other and just wanted to go home being able to identify how to approach the team as a whole or the platoon and squad and then how to approach the individuals one-on-one and knowing okay 
I can sense his energy is different today. Let me approach him this way. So having a different level of approach with each, each person, depending on the scenario, played a major factor in how I approach people nowadays, where I can better read the individual and better read the energy of a room or of a group as a collective. Okay. So, okay. How, how did you navigate and transform the hate and adversity into fuel for personal and, and professional growth? Great question. So I'm actually, my father's African-American. So he's a farm boy from Mississippi and my mother's German. So as a child, we, we lived in Germany and then in elementary school, we moved to Pensacola, Florida. So it's in the panhandle. I, I like to call it Florabama. So you can tell I got various accents. So <laughs> living in the South and never actually visiting America until I was in elementary, we were, I was in third grade. So I got the culture shock going into middle school of seeing how closed-minded some parts of the nation are. And like I saw it on TV, I knew about it, but I'd never lived in America, so I didn't know what to expect. And I was like, all right, big school, cheerleaders, big cafeteria, big gym, like all everything big, big meal, big plates. And you watch the movies and you just think that's what it what's gonna be expected. And it actually was hundred percent. So like all my German family, when they came to the States, I would take them to my school and they're like, this is like a movie. It's actually just like it. So I had that experience as a child. And then from there, I quickly learned that closed mentalities exist on every side. So being the light skinned one, as you can probably relate, people don't, don't fully know what you are at first. And they're like, no. is he, is he half black, half white? Is he Puerto Rican? Is he this, is he Dominican? Maybe he's Mexican. And so with that being said, the preconceived notions that some people would have and it was mainly from guys that i played ball with like i didn't know them personally back then because i was the new kid but as a light-skinned pretty boy soft whatever they want to call it i had to prove myself on the basketball court so i knew that if i don't stand up to these guys and maybe i have to get in a fight i'm just going to be the one that's bullied constantly so that's eventually what i had to do was just one good fight in front of everyone and then they were like, hey, this guy's not soft. Internally, I was like, this is stupid. Why do I have to do this? These are my own people. This is a waste of time. But I was like, I have to, or I'm just going to get bullied this whole year. And I don't want to deal with that. So one was standing up for myself. And I'm not just condoling violence, but it is what it is back then. Like you had to stand up for yourself. Yeah. So being able to utilize that, but not seeing it as I hate anyone. It's more so like, hey, this is their territory. They grew up a certain way dad thought a different way his grandpa thought a certain way and the same thing with other cultures or other races so definitely being being in that position to having to prove myself to my own people and as in mainly african-american guys but after that there was like the mutual respect we weren't really friends a lot of the guys i played ball with but we respected each other like hey he has my back i have his we're not scared of anything so there was that one main thing as a team witnessing it from our side because i thought it was going to be the opposite so my other buddies who are also mixed or were different cultures from military backgrounds are like hey when you go to that state you got to watch out because like half of my school was country black folk and the other half was like white rednecks and i was friends with everybody so i, di I didn't care what color anybody was and they're like yeah you got to watch out this and this and i was like hey the people i had zero issues with <laughs> were the other side so it was an interesting time but i definitely learned a lot in regards to people's upbringing that's all it is you don't know what you don't know so my whole intent was always to face whatever was happening, but then give them an example of a good memory with somebody that was different, where they're like, wow, I thought he was going to be angry the rest of the school year. 
he actually shook my hand afterwards and went from there. So I always try to leave on a positive note. Cool. Yeah. And on what ways has fitness played a role in your personal healing journey? And how do you incorporate that into your coaching? Great question. So growing up, both of my parents grew up poor and they became highly successful. So my dad was U.S. Army for 25 plus years and he retired. And my mother was a kindergarten teacher for 40 plus years. And she was a kindergarten teacher at Montessori. I didn't personally go to Montessori. That's a private school. So um, a lot of people knew both of my parents all around the country and in different and in different countries as well. But with that being said, they faced a lot of trauma in childhood and teenage years. And I noticed when I turned 12 that there was a shift at home, that they would drink a lot more after work. It never affected professional life, but it affected personal life. So we had the beautiful home in Florida with the pool and all that, nice looking family. Everything looked great from the outside. But as soon as the last guest left the cookout, the birthday dinner, whatever get together there was, closed the door. And then something just erupted, like glasses being thrown, yelling, screaming, punching, killing, just all kind of stuff. And that would happen 300 plus nights out of the year. And so fitness was my outlet because I didn't want to repeat the process of let me grab a bottle and drink my feelings away or find another vice. So what I did, I was that skinny, scared, fearful, timid kid. And I knew that I had to change my body, not to just become Mr. Muscle Man, but more so that even my posture was bad and I had a very bad stuttering issue. So I, I was stuttering. I was skinny. I was bullied at home, bullied at school. And I was just like, enough is enough. And so I got massively obsessed with learning about the body and the mind. And then within two years, I transformed my body into an athletic build. And then that's when my friends, my classmates, Teachers and professors started to ask, like, hey, are, are you the same guy? Did you have a twin? Like, what, what happened? You were used to be really skinny and timid and all that. And so I use that pain as fuel opposed to giving people what they expected. So like younger version, before I did all that, I would go to the room and cry or I would yell back and just give too much emotion. And so when I was 14, that's when I made a promise to myself. And I said, I'm no longer allowing people to control my reaction. I'm not going to give them what they expect, whether that's family, whether that's bully, whether that's just somebody random in public. So from there, I just stayed much calmer. And most of it came from my workouts, whether that was late night or early morning. But it was more so for my mentality to, to be calmer because I never wanted to snap at school or at home. But working on myself with the family, working on myself because of school, I was able to just be that calm and under control teenager who then realized that he had a lot of natural abilities to help others and lead others. But I do feel that kids and teens that went through trauma, whatever their extent or level was, were all given a gift. And I truly feel that my gift was discernment. So being able to meet people where they're at and then slowly build them up. And the same thing with a group. And I think it's just because when you're that kid thinking something's going to be thrown at you, you're going to get hit or thrown against the wall. You're always on edge and always hyper aware. So I think that was another cheat code for the military is like everything at home set me up for it. And I was like, OK, OK, drill sergeants, you don't say nothing against my uh, five, four German mother. So I was used to the yelling and screaming. I'm like, this is a walk in the park. So you mentioned your father was um, a Korean military man. What, yes. what what was your inspiration for you to transition from being a distinct from a distinguished military career to becoming a life coach? 
Great question. So the transition was that I always forecasted that I wanted to utilize the military as a stepping stone. I never truly wanted to go 20 plus years and retire. Everybody else was like, oh, you should because of retirement plan, XXYZ, like all these different things. I was like, hey, that sounds great. I understand what it is. But my heart and my passion was always in helping empower other people and seeing them so prideful, seeing them so happy and excited about life because they accomplished their goals. So I knew that it would be coaching. It all started as just fitness and performance. And then the more that I dealt with different cultures and people, I started to really pinpoint people's patterns and like how they react to things, why she acts this way, why they act that way. And then I got really interested in learning more about the mind. And a huge shift was after months or years that I would train with someone online or in person, as in just fitness, I would see them online or in person months or years later. And I'd say, oh my God, he or she lost their results. And at first I was like, man, I, I let them down because I didn't give them the mental tools that they couldn't sustain it. And so that's truly what inspired me the most. I never wanted somebody to go backwards again. So nowadays people less likely go backwards physically, emotionally, or mentally, or even professionally, because we're able to get rid of those patterns, limiting beliefs, traumas, whatever that thing was that was always weighing on them or on the, in their chest. So being able to see, okay, he or she got in great shape, but we never worked on the inner thing. So they started to go backwards again once we stopped working together or once they finished their programming. So that was a huge factor for that. I just wanted to help people in a deeper way because I saw that there was a lot of broken souls or confused people. And I just have always hated seeing people unknowingly waste their potential. So I wanted to make sure to build them up. Okay. So how do you tailor your coaching modalities to meet the unique needs of uh, individuals versus organizations? Great question. So what I do on a one-on-one -on -one level is we first just have a conversation specifically about their goals, and then we start to peel back the layers. So one of the first things that I do with anyone is we create a eliminate sheet. So they grab a notebook and pen, and we ask the question, what are some things that you could eliminate or replace with something better that could help you make more progress? And it usually starts with the basics of what somebody consumes, what they eat and drink. It doesn't mean that everybody eats or drinks extremely, but it could just be that small thing. It's like, man, he, he wants to drink less sodas. She wants to drink less wine. Could be that small thing where it turned from five days a week to seven days a week. For somebody else, it might be something more personal. Maybe it's anger. Maybe that is their vice. So they just really start to go deeper. But we first start with what they consume, what they eat, what they drink, and then what they do on these devices. What is their advice on here? Because everybody has a pattern. We get bored, we open up an app. We get stressed, we open up an app. Then we do a loop. TikTok, Facebook, email, this, this, this. Oh, shoot, 20 minutes went by. What am I doing? It's hard to get back into the workflow. So we first identify what are some things that we could get rid of or replace with something better that they can make more progress. And once we learn more about where they're at, then we can start to tailor to see what he or she needs in this moment because it's always different for everyone because sometimes somebody might have a fitness goal, but then we realize that the reason they haven't gotten results is because they have a bad relationship with food based off of being bullied when they're a kid, family making fun of them, past relationships. There's usually something deeper than just wanting that body or performance or just overall health. So having a good quality conversation and being present with them so that's a huge thing that I try to aim for. Be present with them. 
they're present in the conversation. Because as you know, nowadays it's it's like this. Oh yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. Why is I'm I'm listening to you, man? You know, you know. So everybody's <laughs> doing that nowadays. So that's why people don't really like to talk about their goals because most people don't care or they're not even listening. So I try to give the give them that undivided attention. So can can you elaborate on the role of mental fitness in your coaching and why it's a key focus? Yes, definitely. So I like to see it as do you have the tools on how you react to stressful situations? So like a person could in the past respond in a negative, aggressive way to a stressful situation. Yes, we're, we're allowed to be pissed off, sad, whatever the emotion is, but how long do we stay there? So with the emotional fitness and the mental fitness is more so what is the time window that they will allow themselves to stay in that state? So I ask my friends and clients this. I say, hey, I can sense that you're going through X, Y, Z, but how long do you want to feel this way? And it catches people off guard because they're like, I want to be pissed off for one hour. And then they're like, is it one hour or 30 minutes? They're like, I don't know how to answer that. I'm like, all right, so let's just give yourself a 10 minute window. If you have to yell, yell. If you need to meditate, if you need to pray, if you just need to go outside and go for a five minute walk, like whatever it is. But it's more so seeing that the best leaders they can control their reactions to things much better yes life happens yes stress is there anxiety is real all those things are real but how quick could they come back to being on an equilibrium and being calm and controlled because sometimes that person might get angry you might catch yourself being angry for two hours two days or two weeks where you're like all right i gotta get it out of the, out of this zone so that individual being able to catch themselves like hey I notice I'm in this zone. I'm in a really low place because I thought of the past, whatever it is. What do I need to do to reset? Let me just have some me time. Let me call my friend and say, hey, today I'm not going to be at the dinner. Just need a couple hours. I'll see you guys tomorrow. So helping people become that person who can catch it before they're deep in that emotion, whatever the emotion is. And we're not saying these emotions are not real. It's more so like, hey, let's give us a time window to release and reset so we can get back to whatever's next. Okay. You, you mentioned your mixed background. So how does your mixed race background influence your coaching and connect you with clients on a deeper level? I think a major factor with that is growing up in Germany and traveling a lot, seeing different cultures really just opened my mind. And also on top of that, being that quiet kid who's always yelled at and saw a lot of wild stuff is that I was just always quiet and reading the room. So being able to like watch my parents and their friends and all the different cultures, see how they interact, see what makes them irk. And I was just always people watching and just taking a lot of mental notes because once you're exposed to different type of cultures, experiences, traumatic situations, you can identify people's patterns really quickly. Now that you can read everyone perfectly, but you can usually sense you're like, okay, he carries himself this way. I guarantee you he's been through a lot and he did a lot of work or she did this and this. And you can start to really read the room, seeing how people react to things. But I think one being mixed and just seeing different cultures like Germans, they're very strict and gung ho professional. They're extreme OCD. So there's that side. Um, my dad's side is from Mississippi, from the farmland. So they got the work ethic, the discipline up early and all that. So kind of taking the best of both, but also with our surroundings. Like some of my friends growing up were Filipino and I learned so much from them and the others were Vietnamese. Some are from Venezuela. So all of us would teach each other things 
And it was just amazing to see because nowadays I feel like that's needed more than ever. Just like a melting pot of people coming together. You teach me about that food. I'll teach you what we ate in our country. And it's like, next thing we know, we all know something new and we have that camaraderie again. Cool. That's dope. What, what principles guide your coaching when it comes to helping clients take control of their minds and bodies? Teaching them how to become that individual that they would be proud of and seeing that how they can give back to others, whether that's personal, whether that's their career, maybe it's charity work or nonprofit, but making that person proud first. So it's always based on them first. And society would say, well, that's selfish. You need to do this. But we see it as selfless because when you take care of you first with your morning routine, you're in a good headspace. No matter what traffic happens, no matter if Wi-Fi goes out, no matter if somebody pisses you off in public, you're going to be like, hey, I had a good morning workout. I already planned my whole day. I'm in a good zone. Nobody's going to ruin my energy. So being that person repetitively by just having control. But what we aim for is to become that person that he or she would be proud of calm and confident and see how they can give back to others in whatever way that gives them a passion or gives them a rush. Yeah, no, it's, you're absolutely right. Um, you need to, it's something that I've been, I've learned last few years is that I need my, my, my time to recharge my battery. I need my time to, oh, yeah. to really get back in the space, especially when, so right now we're, we're going through something with my family because um my mom is suffering from Alzheimer's and it's, it's, it's getting worse. It's progressing. And, and I could look at it and, and be upset and angry and everything. But I, I, I started looking at it at the times I had with her. And, and I, I, when I think of her, I think of her of how she used to be. I don't, I don't look at her as, as she is now. Yes. I look at her at, how she used to be the strong independent woman that I grew up with. So it, it's like, but you have those moments that these, these, these things, obstacles in your life, they, they get in your way, but you gotta, some, you gotta overcome them. You have to face them and, and, and look at, look at the, the, the bright side of, of everything in life. Exactly. hundred percent. And on a faith level, I truly believe that everything is happening for us not to us, even the bad, because sometimes those situations can like spark a whole new path, career or personal for someone because of something that happened with families. So it's always interesting, the the big picture. But I know that deep down that she's going to be proud and whoever else is in the circle of family or friends, uh, they're going to be proud of what you're doing and just using all that stuff as fuel when you're like, you know what? I got hundreds of amazing memories. I remember this, remember that. I don't know if you got wife and kids, but you're cooking a dish that she used to teach you how to make and you have those good memories and holiday seasons coming up. So yeah. taking all that with you. No, oh, definitely, definitely. It's um I, I've she's to me, she she's uh she's been that person who like growing up, she she was the the family member that her door was open to everyone. It didn't matter where you came from, who you were. Her house was open to if you needed somewhere to stay, her house was the place. She she took care of people. She's her 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 thing her thing was always taken. No one went to our house and ever went hungry. Yeah. Like what we might not had a pantry full of food, but what we had, she made sure if someone came to our house that they were fed. So 
being raised by her and looking at how she treated people and and how they treated her back in return that that's how i live now is i treat people the way i want to be treated and i get that from her i get that Amazing. i get the way she she treated it didn't matter who you were she treated you with the utmost respect and that's how i go into life when i meet someone i treat them with the utmost respect and if they can't treat me with the same respect then i don't associate myself with them i, I make sure that i'm not around that energy oh, yeah. for the most part i i've learned from her that if you want to be treated a certain way, then you need to know how to treat people. Exactly. Is she from the, where, where is she from originally? Oh, my mom's Puerto Rican. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was my guess right when we popped on. Also with the Yankees hat, I was like, all right, I can tell. <laughs> yeah, man, she was Puerto Rican. I was born in Brooklyn, raised in Brooklyn, but she, she was born in Puerto Rico, raised. My, nice. my mom is, my mom is 84 years old. She had me, when she was 37, 38 years old. So she had me later on. So my siblings are all older than me. And so uh, she, she, she's old school, but she's always been that person where, like I said, no one, if you needed someplace to stay, if you didn't have food, she was that person that she would give it to you. Oh yeah. That's amazing. So can you can you share an, an empowering success story from your coaching career that stands out in your memory? Like, is there one specific coaching coaching job you had where you're like, man, this was a rough one, but we've really we've really worked hard and got you to where you're seeing much some great progress. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. So this was last year. One of my clients she broke the world record for running the marathon pushing her brother who has a disability. So her brother has cerebral palsy. And so she's been a runner. She was a college athlete and all that. And this was one of her goals for years. The record was broken a few months ago, but she still broke it for women, which is amazing. Just, I mean, running a marathon is difficult and then pushing somebody, but not just the accolade, but knowing that she has that bond with her brother, that if anybody else pushed him, that it wouldn't work like he wouldn't want to do it or anything just that bond that they had but also the personal trials and tribulations that she went through these past three years it was intense a lot of things but just seeing the overall light shining again after going through the darkness and she works with a lot of students that have disabilities so has a nonprofit and all that so just seeing her passion her ultimate passion to help people that are overlooked and I learned so much from her as well, because I have two cousins in my family that have mental disability, but I haven't seen them in years. So it's if it's not within your vicinity, if it's not in your environment, then you're not really going to think of it much. But I learned, mm -hmm. I learned so much that I was just unaware of. And it was just very interesting because it really made me see things differently. More gratitude, humbled ourselves, but just really seeing that, wow, somebody is always going through something worse. We're not trying to undermine that our stress doesn't exist, but it's always interesting to see, like you would never know because it's the most positive, brightest person. It's like, hey, do you need anything? Pleasure to meet you. Like always high energy. Yeah. And then realizing like, wow, behind closed doors, there's a million things going on. So it was just amazing to see like how positive somebody could still be, even though that they were boiling for months and years on end because of some family and personal things, but just that light and seeing as a, at a big picture, 
my favorite thing during the holidays is seeing clients post on social media and seeing their real smiles. Like I, you could always sense it. You see an old picture of yourself, a Facebook memory four years ago. You're like, oh yeah, me and my group of friends. I'm like, ooh, I was in a dark place. I could see it in my eyes. I'm smiling, but that's not real. I know exactly how I felt that night or that day. So I could see that with my clients. And so holiday season, I love it because I can always sense what the real smile is, what the pride is, or if they're like crying, like whatever it is. But I love seeing like where they're at because maybe this person is now married or in their first relationship in years. Maybe this one is in a new home. Maybe this one was able to take their family on their first vacation, just like all these things. And it's just amazing to see because thinking back, I'm like, wow, I remember day one. He was just like, man, I just want to do 225 on bench. And th that was the only goal. <laughs> and then now he's married and has kids and all this stuff. So always seeing the journey and just seeing people happy and excited about life. So it's it's amazing to see and in hindsight, just seeing like somebody was in hell, quote unquote, or in a dark and we're very, really close to giving up to then pushing and driving through, keeping their faith strong. And then now looking at them, it's like, wow, they're crushing it in every area and not taking all not taking everything that came from me, but working together as a team, it just inspires me. And I feel like that's what it's all about. If we can make a good positive impact, we can create a positive ripple effect. Because if they see you in a, in a good headspace, they see her in a good headspace, they're like, wow, they carry themselves in a different way. And that makes people want to want to join or just vibrate better as well. Because the same thing happens in reverse. <laughs> we get around somebody in public, we're like, yeah, let me let me stand in this other line. It, they didn't even say anything. You could just feel and sense their energy. You're like, all right, I'm gonna use that checkout line. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're you're a three time winner of uh, Soldier of the Year, right? Um, what what? How has that influenced your leadership style and your coaching techniques? So it honestly was me overcoming that scared, timid child. That's why I joined a lot of training schools and went to the board. Like you don't have to compete for that, but I did it more so for myself. So being that scared teen, I had a fear of heights. I had a fear of public speaking. I had many fears. It was just like crippling. So I knew that sports and fitness would help, but I knew deep down I needed to serve and like face a lot of other things, which would make me grow more than ever. So that's a huge factor of what drove it was just, making that younger version proud. And so going to the board, excuse me, soldier of the year, at least in the US Army consists of three things. There's the physical fitness test, and a lot of other physical tests outside of just the basic test. Two is a written test. But keep in mind, you're dehydrated, sleep deprived, you're hungry. So like you're already physically and mentally tested. It's not just like, all right, you woke up, <laughs> go to the cafeteria, eat, then take a test like college. You're, you're tested in many ways. And then the last one is you go to the board, which essentially means you pound on a door. The highest ranks tell you to come in. You stand at attention by a chair and you just see a table of a row of the highest ranks, male, female, just like scolding you. And then they tell you what to do. You sit down and they're just drilling you with questions. It's like a verbal test, but they try to throw you off because he might ask you something random like who won Super Bowl 1998? And you're just like. What the hell does that have to do with anything? And then this person asks you about in year 1942, what war or like, what is this article? And then like, they try to throw you off. But I love those environments because I would just think back to childhood and teenage years where I was like, all right, everything at home was worse than any of this. So bring it on. So I always thrived in the high pressure moments because I was always living in a pressured home. <laughs> so like facing life, I was like, all right, this is 
can't get worse because I've heard the wildest shit ever and seen a lot of crazy stuff. So I was like, all right, I can take the drilling. So in the moments of feeling the pressure, I would just respect everyone, do the best of my abilities. And then afterward, just feel pride that I gave my all. Even if one of the years I didn't get it, it was more so to make that younger version proud because he he could barely even walk straight or like form a sentence without being scared. So <laughs> in your opinion, what are the key elements that differentiate surviving from thriving? And how do you install this in your clients? Great question. So I see it all as what do we take away from the experience? Do we just take the pain, stress, anxiety, anger, and vices and say, why me, God? Why does this happen? I don't know why this is happening. Is that what we're taking from it? Or do we pause and say, you know what? I did and I still do occasionally feel these emotions from that memory, but I was able to see how strong I am, how good I can work with people, et cetera, et cetera, whatever that list is. So seeing what can we take from the situation? Is it just a negative? And we're not going to pretend there's negative things don't exist, but is there something positive or empowering? Or maybe there's a skill set that we got from this experience. Because sometimes when we zoom out, people that are really good at what they do, they usually just went through a lot of stuff and life punch them in the face, kick them in the balls, stabbed them in the gut a few times. And the next thing you know, they're like, that's why he's good. No wonder he, he or she does this. They peel back the layers, learn their life journey and story. And they're like, Okay, they didn't just learn it from a textbook or they took a certification class or like they've been through some shit and now they make it happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm 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 a prime example of that, man. I, I was widowed at 31 um, and it was just one tragedy after another. Reconnected with my father only to lose him. I lost two brothers, an aunt and an uncle that helped raise me. And I was angry for many years. I was angry. I was like, what? I was in that mentality where why me? Why is why yeah. am I being punished? And and then one day it, it, it hit me like it's not you. Is this is this you're not being punished? This is this is just part of your journey. These these are lessons that you have to learn in life. These are things you have to go through in life. It's not you're not being punished. Is you're not being picked singled out by God. You're not being. So it took me. It took a few years for me to really get back to because it, it was crazy because prior to my wife passing away she had introduced me to to the world of self-development she introduced yes. me to tony robbins uh louise hayes so many different other people and 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 I, it was her way of preparing me for what was to come and at that at that time i didn't when it happened i didn't look at it that way but later on after i went went through all the tragedies and everything and i was struggling with just just struggling with the fact that it, just thinking that why am I such a bad person that all this is happening yes and it it, it one day it, it really so a voice something spoke to me and was like this isn't your life you you're not being punished it's not your fault these are things you had no control over they just happened and and so when I when I started realizing that and i and i went and sought the help therapy and went to, to speak to a professional because you know i'm i'm from a generation where we i'm i'm 47 years old this is not something we would do we this we didn't oh, yeah. about our feelings we didn't go to therapy especially men 
Men yeah. weren't allowed to. I'm pretty crazy. I said, Are you crazy? What are you seeing a therapist for? Is something wrong with you? Yeah. So, it was, it, so for me to really do that and go seek the help and, and speak to a therapist and and get my life back in order and 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 really get back on that self development and 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 really getting back into reading and and wanting to improve. It, it's. And it's led me to doing my podcast. It's, oh, it's yeah. really helped me find my purpose. Because had I not gotten back to what I was to to the self development and and the coaching and all that, but I've been doing my podcast, or, or what I've been doing, any of the things that I'm doing now. So finding finding my purpose in in podcasting and and really going back, getting really back into the self-development and the coaching and and oh, yeah. wanting and wanting to create content that because I could have easily went I could have easily done a podcast that focused more on stupid shit, more focused on shit that really people are gonna exactly. be clicking. Cause I'm in a niche that it's not easy. hundred percent. People will yeah, not well, most people will pick the easy route. Will and Jada, <laughs> Tom Brady, whoever Kobe versus LeBron, like yeah, there's gonna trending topics. That's what they pick, and it's like clickbait. And but you definitely pick the right path because that connecting with people, it's one of the most amazing things. Yeah. Meeting good people that also have that fire in them, that have been through things, and seeing that people actually can have real conversations because it's so rare, especially as men. Like you said, yeah, I, I grew up the same way. It was like suck it up, don't be soft, don't cry, blah blah blah. Yeah. And then the older I got, you start catching patterns in the men in your family or men that you grew up around. You're like, all right, I think we all should have spoken because <laughs> there's a lot of wild stuff that happened just by not releasing. We They release in a different way. But yeah, it's always interesting in hindsight. You're like, that makes sense. And then just us stepping up as men, speaking about it, opening up. A key thing I just want to bounce off of this that it made me think of it is my senior year of high school. One of the most pivotal moments of my life. I'm 17 years old. I'm in my English composition class and I'm writing. And then my teacher, he, he could obviously read people. He knows the students. He's seen them for years. And he's like, hey, Derek, let's go in the hallway. I was like, all right. He just wants to talk to me. We go out there. And he's like, hey, I'm not going to ask you a question about what's going on. I can tell there's a lot going on. But I just want to tell you it's okay to be human. That's all he said. I looked at him. I like my knees buckled and I cried in his arms for like five minutes. And that was the first time I cried in like seven years at that time. And like, he, he could just see it. Like I was just writing, doing my assignment, but he could just sense my energies. Like something's different with him. Pulled me into the hallway and literally just said, it's okay to be human. And to this day, I say that in my head sometimes where I tell my male and female clients, I'm like, Hey, sometimes you just need to release. Even if you're not even sad, you might be in the car and just be like, ah, just grab the steering wheel and yell or just cry for two minutes. Release breathe gratitude thank you god whatever somebody believes in reset and keep going sometimes just releasing is one of the most powerful things because most people they hold it in so long and that's why the vices come in because they'll try to overshadow whatever that feeling is but especially as men if we could just release sometimes we can reset and then we start to make better decisions but that that was a pivotal moment where something so simple but hit powerful and thinking back on, I'm like, wow, if I would have had a video of that, I would have loved to see that just to see. Because I was I was not a cry, 
crier at all, but at that time he could just sense my energy. And nowadays I feel like I got another skill from him was that you can sense, even if it's a stranger in public, when you've been through a lot, you can see it and sense it in somebody else because you know what it feels like or you know what they're going through. And then just being there for somebody, let's say you're at a bus stop or at the airport, sitting anywhere in public and somebody comes up to you and just starts pouring out to you. They're just like, I don't know you, but something's telling me to just. And then all you did was listen. You didn't even say a word. And they're just like, thank you. They walk away. They leave. And then hours later, you're like, did that happen? Was that a dream? Was that an angel? (laughs) Like sometimes you don't even know if it even happened, but it's an amazing moment because just giving people two things. Every human just wants to be heard and understood. If we can make somebody feel heard and understood, everything can start to come full circle. It's it's an amazing thing. Like that's what I felt then. And that's what I try to give to other people, make them feel heard, make them feel understood. And then go from there. If I don't have the answers, I'm going to find somebody that does. Yeah. So how, how do you approach healing as a life coach and what strategies do you employ to guide the others in their healing journey? So the first thing that we that I like to focus on is, as I mentioned earlier, is first see what you can get rid of or replace with something better. Because if we have two individuals, one person, they may have been an athlete or been in band or anything competitive. Mm-hmm. And for them, it's a lot easier to add something onto their schedule or routine. But that's not most people. Most people, if you try to add onto their routine, or tell them to open their pantry and say, hey, throw away the first three shelves. Hey, I want you to buy this. I want you to wake up at this time. It's too much. It's not going to be sustainable. So first, if somebody can get rid of some things, they can open themselves up. And then they can slowly start to build and stack those wins. Hey, tomorrow, he wants to get up 30 minutes earlier and not hit snooze five times. Hey, tomorrow, she doesn't want to buy another bottle of wine. Tomorrow, he wants to raise his hand first in class. Whatever those things are, but stacking wins and slowly building a solid routine and that self-trust. Because I truly believe self-trust and self-confidence all comes from stacking wins, which just means showing up for ourselves and no longer letting vices, procrastination, limited thinking, negative thinking, whatever those things are, hold us back or really make us second guess ourselves. So once that person starts to get in a more powerful, empowered state, then We could start the healing process at a deeper way because they're like, hey, I crushed my morning routine. I haven't missed a workout in three weeks or I haven't missed a social media post, whatever their thing is. And then once we start doing the inner work, it's way more effective because they've they've already showed themselves proof of how much progress they can make with just themselves rather than like, hey, today's day one. Tell me what happened when you were 14. Not everybody can do that where they're like, "Uh, where where the hell do do I even start? But if they already are in an empowered state and they feel some sense of pride and accomplishment, then it's way more effective because then they can look at things in a different perspective than just be in a low state. Because when they're confident about, hey, two weeks straight, I've been doing X, Y, Z, they're excited. So when we talk about deeper topics, they can look at version 10.0, they can look at present version, and then they can think back of their past self and they can stay neutral the whole time rather than catching them on a day where they're feeling really low, that's not the day to dig into the past. But definitely building that daily routine and that foundation is everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely right. What, what role does resilience play in your coaching philosophy? And how do you help clients cultivate resilience? 
Great question. So with resilience, I just like to focus on saying the statement in your head or out loud. People depend on me. People depend on me. Maybe they have kids. Maybe they have pets. Maybe the neighbor down the road always looks at them when they go walk. Maybe somebody online messages them randomly. It's like, hey, man, I see your posts. Thank you for what you do. I don't even know you, but I see your stuff. And they write. But there's always somebody watching. Even if they don't think somebody is, there's always somebody watching. So if they can have the mentality that people depend on me in the key moments where they don't feel like doing something or when, <clears throat> or when they're really stressed and they say, I don't really feel like making this post. I don't, I don't feel like showing up to this conversation tomorrow for work. But if they can start to think of who depends on them because somebody does, then they start to get a rush. And it's not that we're just trying to show up and give, give, give to others. We're not trying to people please. It's more so, hey, let me take a breather. Let me reset. I need to reset real quick. But people depend on me because somebody out there needs to hear your message, needs to see his product, his skill, his passion, needs to learn her life story, whatever it is. And I do believe that God has us all here for a reason, and that is to face whatever's happening, work through it, and then teach others how to do that thing as well, even if it's not career. Because the best advice we ever got was from people that actually lived that thing. They can see it and they can sense it. So the resilience is more so, can you keep going and how is your reaction to things? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, um, it is definitely um, something that people, you can build up, like, for me, like I said, it was just one tragedy after another, after another, and it, 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 I'm, it got to the point where it's like, man, how much more can I take? Like, and and then and then oh, yeah. I, I really sit there and I looked at it and I, and I reflect on it and I look. I'm like, well, God couldn't if God wouldn't give me anything I couldn't handle, and so this this was my path this was the path that i was supposed to take these things were supposed to happen and and be a part like someone asked me do i regret any of the stuff that happened and my answer my answer shocked them because it, it was no and they were like why i said because i wouldn't wish it upon anyone i wouldn't wish anyone to lose their wife i wouldn't wish anyone to lose their father after reconnecting with them i wouldn't wish them losing two brothers and I wouldn't wish that upon them, but it was my path. This was this was the path chosen for me, and, and so if he didn't feel I could deal with it, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have put it in front of me. Exactly, he wouldn't have set that obstacle in front of me. So for me, it's been it's been. I look at, I look I look at life completely different with everything that's happened and I am grateful like I, I everything I've been through is also prepared me for what I'm going through right now with my mom yes it's, it's helped me build that strength and that toughness within to have to deal with this and and because it's easy to, to to see what state she's in and and really give up and really be like, oh, why me? Why is this happening? Why is instead of looking at it as like take these these moments that I do have with her and, and cherish them and, and make the most out of them? Exactly, hundred percent. And I'm glad that you that you can see those perspectives. A big thing that I work on a, a lot with my clients is I use the phrase perspective hopping. 
which is essentially what I mentioned earlier, when you can paint a clear vision of who version 10.0 of you is, all of his traits and characteristics inside out relationships, career, podcast, just everything about him, and then current version and then younger version. And it's really interesting. People that can perspective hop and just see things from a different angle, they can stay neutral. They can be grateful for things. They can be proud of themselves. And then they can be excited about the future. But it helps those individuals not just be stuck in one zone where they can see, just like you mentioned, now you see the big picture because past you went through those things. And it's always amazing to be able to connect the dots. And then sometimes, even if we don't know what's next, it's just that faith can continuously just keep building. Mm-hmm. And it's some people speak faith just from church or just from a, a biblical standpoint. But when it comes from faith to people that have been through real things, it's a I think that they have the strongest level of faith where it's not just Sunday service or anything else. It's like, hey, that was the only thing that they had at some point was faith. Yeah. And 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 I'm not a religious person. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not someone who goes to church, but I am a spiritual person. I do look at, at, at life different, and and I, I I'm, I'm I I I am grateful for everything that's going on in my life. That like I I'm blessed to be able to come in and do my podcast and, and oh, yeah. be able to 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 share this message with other people and have you on the show and you can share your story and share your message and. and really make an impact on people's lives. And that's if, and to me, it's people look at success as, Oh, I got 5 million downloads. I look at it as if I've helped one person and I've made an impact on their life, I am doing what I'm supposed to do. And I've, and I've gotten those messages where I've, I've made an impact on people's lives. And that to me is some of the most, fulfilling parts of this this is that's why i do it when i when i do receive those messages from people saying man i needed that episode thank you i i, I needed to hear what that person had to say or oh, i needed yeah. to hear what you had to say whatever it was that to me is, is success that to me is like like i said if i've impact one person's life doing this then i'm doing something right because now who knows who's who that person is going to impact? How many more exactly. people they're gonna? How many more people's lives they're gonna change just from the fact that they heard something that on my podcast or heard something I said or whatever, or heard something a guest said, and now they're like, "Yeah, now it's my turn to help other people." So yeah, it's a, it's a ripple effect. Exactly, and that's the best thing about it is like that one golden nugget, that one perspective that one thing that they needed, because we've been on the receiving end of that as well, where we were confused, broken, lost, whatever situation we were in, and we just heard that one thing, and it just made something click. The light bulbs went off, or the mind shifted, and we're like, wow, that's that's what I needed to hear. But being able to give that to others, I totally agree that it's so fulfilling, where I'll think back to childhood or other crazy nights and stuff I saw in the Army, and then I'm like, wow, all of that is for a reason, and now I'm here. And this person is excited, proud, they're holding their kids and whatever the situation is. And it just all makes sense in the moment where you're like, I don't know if I want to cry in excitement for them, cry in excitement for myself or like cry because a younger version is proud. But it's yeah. a it's, it's good tears. So it, it gives you chills. Love those moments. Definitely. Definitely. 
But Derek, this has been great, man. I, I appreciate you coming on the show. But now is the time of the show where you get this the solo screen. You get to plug away, let people know where they can find you, everything. All right. I appreciate it. Well, th thanks again for having me, Will. But the easiest way to find me, guys, is on social media. That is Fit with Derek 2. That's D-E-R-I-C-K. And my coaching website is fitwithderek.com. On there, I just like to show real people with real results. I have pictures and then also videos, and they just tell about their journey, where they were personally, spiritually, or professionally, and where they are now, and how the journey went for them. So the whole intent is to help people win so they're thriving, not just surviving. So they're thriving, not just surviving. And my whole intent with social media is just to plant seeds. If you hit snooze five times every morning and you watch my videos, I'm going to plant a seed and be in your head where you stop hitting snooze. It's my whole intent. Plant seeds, make you a little bit uncomfortable sometimes, but make you not waste any potential. I feel like that's what it's all about. Oh, I can't hear you. There, oh, there we go. I'm no longer muted. <laughs> there I go. So I will be putting a link to his website in the description. So definitely you can check out his website and check him out. Follow him on, on all the social medias and everything. Thank you, Derek, man. This has been great, man. I appreciate it, Will. Thank you for having me. And thanks also for the transparency. It's rare for men to do this. And that's what it's all about, man. Oh, no. Listen, man. This is what I, this is what I love doing my podcast. But uh, we we were live. Uh, we had some comments there. Mickey Delaney, he's from uh, from Washington State. He goes, hey, Will. Hi, Derek. How are you both? Um, he wants to thank you for your service, Derek. And um, I appreciate it, Mickey. Yeah, no, this, this, this is another reason I do go live is because I, I love the interaction. I love the fact that um, people can leave comments. People, can, if something I say or my guests say and they, they feel it, they, they they can share oh, yeah. share their opinions on it. And so I, I love that aspect of it. But, man, thanks, Derek. This has been great. Um, don't leave just it. yet. Don't leave just yet. Let me close out the show and me and you challenge right. off air. But, man, thank you once again. This has been great. No problem, no problem. All right. So uh, shout out to everybody who stopped by. Mickey Delaney. I don't know who it is, Facebook user, but thank you. Appreciate you. Um, shout out to my Real Wise fan, Poppy J, Brandy J. Shout out to the boss lady. Love you and appreciate you. Shout out to Derek Johnson for coming through and, and sharing his uh, story and, and having a wonderful conversation with me. And as always, a big, big shout out to all the essential workers out there. God bless y'all. Be safe. You know how your boy Wise does it. Peace out.